You know, this morning I wanted to start off with talking about broken things. Odds are you guys probably own some broken things, right? Right? Any junk collectors in here this morning? Okay, I got one hand, two hands, three hands, okay? Some of y'all just won't tell the truth and shame the devil, but you junk collectors too, right? And so odds are maybe in your garage, maybe in your attic, maybe in your basement, hopefully not just laying around your whole house, but odds are you've got some things just stashed away that really don't work anymore. They're broken. When you first got them, they were new. They were shiny. They were exciting. But somewhere along the lines, something happened to it. It crashed. It broke. It stopped doing what you expected and needed for it to do. And so, like we normally do when things that we expect to fulfill a function stop fulfilling that function in our lives, you probably put it away. And so, as we do that, as we put something away, as we, we store something, we oftentimes forget about it because it's what? It's broken. I know me personally, I was, I was struggling to think of an example to share with you and I asked Pastor Charles, I said, it's been a long time since I've been in this boat. I need you to help me think of an example. Because in our newlywed days, I was famous for that. I was famous for saying, we need a new ex. Such and such is broken. And my husband was famous for saying, we're going to fix this and we're going to make this work. And so, over the years, next week we'll be celebrating our 18th year of marriage. Amen? Over the years, I've gotten better about that, so I don't even try that. I try, I try to figure out how I can repurpose a thing before I go to that next step. But for some reason, when we got this church, I got brand new. I forgot the system. And so when I saw that, Y'all still trying to figure out what that is. Tilt your head a little bit to the left. I said, oh, y'all can get those up out of here. Right, Carla? I said, oh, let's, let's make room for the new. Right, Stacy? Get, get them right on. Where, where's the dumpster? How do we get this out? And so Pastor Charles is scratching his hand. Randy is scratching his hand. They're like, okay, if you want to get rid of it, we can, we'll, we'll get it done, Pastor Alicia. And then as I began to plan and prepare for the women for our time of fellowship, I recognized I was going to need somewhere for us to sit. Huh. Surely we couldn't sit there. 
or there. Those were my other gifts that were left behind for me to throw away. Because of course, they're ugly and they're broken. If you don't believe me, ask Amy when she sat in one of them. Inside joke. We like to throw away these things because they're broken. And of course, when something is broken, I can't possibly have any use for it. Except I came to the realization that God has a funny way of providing for us. Sometimes we're crying out and we're asking God to bless us and to provide what we need. And his response is, I've already given you everything you need. You just don't want to accept that. And I began to think, what, what, what you talking about? What did you give me that I could possibly use? And as I began to talk it over with my husband, he was like, you can use that furniture. So I said, okay, let's set it up. Let's set it up like a living room. Let's set it up like we're going to use it and believe that God is going to help me to repurpose this so that it can, be, it can be presented to the people of God in the way that I'm envisioning. Because I'm not envisioning giving them two plaid armchairs with rips in it and pink and green chairs. Now, I love pink and green, don't get me wrong. But this was not the vision that I had. How many of you have had a vision for something and since things didn't match up the way that you expected to in the vision, you're ready to throw it all away? Well, God had another plan. And so as I began to accept the plan that God had for this furniture, I realized that it had another life. I understood it had another purpose. And so we began to find a way to make it work. And then we did that. Suddenly, the rips in this chair, oh, I'm talking to somebody. Suddenly, the brokenness is gone. I can work with this guy. And then we did that. Now, when I put this slide up, I said to myself, this slide is going to really help me to drive this home because this one's still a work in progress. There's still some things that need to be fixed on this one. And God said, that's good. You can still use that because that's us. It ain't all fixed. We're not completely put back together, but you can still use us. See, that's our biggest mistake sometimes. We feel like it's got to be all perfect before we can use it. Everything's got to be just the way we envisioned before we can get started. Everything's got to be absolutely 100% in working operational order before we will get to work for Jesus. But God allowed me to see this and even this example that this is not perfect. We still have work to do on this couch, but it still has a purpose for the Lord. So as we began to continue to work, here goes that little pink chair. Ain't it cute now? It's so comfortable. As a matter of fact, can y'all say that chair for me upstairs when we go upstairs? Just put something in it. Put a purse or something in there. Isn't it beautiful? I 
was going to throw it away. So I said, I need a little bit of help. I need to finish this off. And I began to call the people of God up and they helped me. And I had a, a, a gently used rug ordered and it came and the gentleman got it upstairs and they rolled it out and Brother Randy came up there and put some curtains up there for me. And I mean, now I behold this place that is filled with broken things that I thought could not be used. So when other people come in this room, all they see is a beautiful living room. But every time I look at that room, it is a reminder to me that God has purpose in the things that we call broken. That might encourage you this morning because it might be you that has been broken. It might be you that feels like I can't possibly be useful to God in this particular state. It might be you that's thinking that until I get my whole life together, until I get everything right, until I get 100% where I want to be, I need to hide. Somebody will be listening to this on the podcast who's not even in this church, and they need to understand as well. You're hiding. You don't even want to come into the church because of your shame and your brokenness. But God loves you too. And so over the course of four weeks, we've been talking about that. We said we would talk about how we are blessed and broken and given. And we even decided that we would use bread as a metaphor to help us to see how God feels about things that are blessed and broken and given away. And so we discussed originally that we were like bread and that we're ordinary until we're placed in the master's hand. And then we went ahead and we discussed how we were blessed and how we were made in the image of God and that our being blessed was not about having things or having acquired stuff, but our blessed was about who God created us to be and what he pronounced over our lives. And so we said that on this morning, we would talk about broken. And I would like for us to talk about what Jesus can do with our brokenness. Is that okay? Turn with me, if you would, then to Psalms chapter 51. I'm going to read into your hearing verses 16 and 17 in the Christian Standard Bible. And then if you're also able to see, it's on the screen as well. And it reads, you do not want a sacrifice or I would give it. You are not pleased with a burnt offering. Verse 17. The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. You will not despise a broken and humbled heart, God. In the Old Testament, you will see, and even going forward, prior to 
the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, that we were under what we called the Old Covenant. And under this covenant, what you hear the author David talking about here is that we sacrificed animals for our sins. And so there is a day that they would celebrate that was called the Day of Atonement. And on this day, it was one of the most visual descriptions of how our sin and our guilt and our shame was handled. Because what would happen is that the priests would first offer a sacrifice for himself to cleanse himself. But then he would select two goats. And after laying hands on one goat and imparting to it the sins of the nation, do you know what they would do with that one? They would send that goat into the wilderness. Do you catch the meaning of that? The goat took the blame and was led away. It's a picture, an enacted parable, if you will, of God removing the guilt from his people. So that was visually witnessed by having this goat take on all of their sins and be led away. That's the first goat. Now the second goat, the second goat, they would sacrifice. And its blood would be sprinkled on the altar inside the Holy of Holies. This goat was taking the punishment. The punishment. It was a picture of God allowing the people to be spared judgment. Do you think this may be forecasting something? And so in this palm, what we call the penitential palm, it was interesting to me because I know we have people who are in the penal system and I began to think about our language and our words and I said, huh, penitentiary, penitential palm, I get it. That meant that this was believed that David wrote this poem when he was feeling remorse over his sin with Bathsheba. And so he recognized in his state of brokenness. I mean, y'all do understand what happened, right? Let me just kind of go backwards for those of you who may not be familiar. He put her husband on the front lines of a war to make sure that he died so that his sins would not be discovered. And his plan went according to plan, but then God was what? Very unhappy with him. And so he recognized in his brokenness, what I need right now is not another goat. What I need right now is not an animal. It, 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 let me put it to you this way. The visual that came to my mind when I was looking at this was, do I have any fans of Godfather films in here? 
Come on, you're in a safe place. You can, t you can tell. All right. Got, I've got two who are willing to be bold enough. Well, when I was growing up, there was plenty of Godfather films being played. Anything with Al Pacino, really. And one of the things that baffled me as someone who had not given their life to Christ yet was this little system they had set up where they would literally Liz, go and like shoot up a whole neighborhood and then go to the church, repent, confess their sins, and then go show, shoot up a whole new neighborhood, right? And I, I was baffled by the concept like, I don't think that's how God meant for this to go. I don't think we were, it was set up that we would confess our sins, but we would just continue to dwell in our sins. And then God said, yeah, you're right. There's some backup for that. You know, I specify that in the book of Romans. And so I'm looking right now because I want to make sure I give you guys the, the correct citation for that. And that was in the book of Romans chapter 8, I believe. Find that with me. Romans. Where did I have that? And I might be jumping ahead in my notes. Maybe that's why I can't find it. Romans chapter 8. I'm thinking of the scripture, and maybe some of you already know it, where it talks about, shall we continue on in sin so that sin may abound? Is that Romans 8.1? What is that? 6.1? I'll find it for you. But as I was... 8? 6.1? 6.1? Okay. 6.1 and 2. And two. So... Shall I continue on in sin so that your grace may abound? And so God was saying to me, no, you're right. You know, even, it's funny about that, that sometimes we're not even saved. We haven't even given our life to Christ yet, and we can still tell that something just isn't right. And I kind of understood coming into this that that was, like David said, that God really wasn't interested in my fake repentance. He was interested and what we're talking about today. And so it was confusing to me because we look at brokenness with such a negativity. We look at brokenness as something that we need to avoid. But as I began to really spend time with the Lord, I began to see that as David said, if we are fallen, if we are in sin, brokenness is what we need. We need a broken heart, a contrite spirit. We need to feel the depth of our sin, the depth of our error, not so that we can stay in that place, but so that we can come to our father. And here's the thing, he knows about it anyway. He knows anyway. So why does society try to convince us that we should pretend we got it all together and yet we're broken. We should come into church every Sunday with our mask on and we should pretend that we've got it all figured out. Everything's okay. Everything's going well. I don't need any help in any area of my life. I'm good. But yet and still, we're really broken. And there are really things that we need God to fix. But 
until we get to that place where our spirit yearns for God to help us, to change us, to heal us, to put us back again, it's not going to matter. We have got to come with a broken spirit. Stop coming with the sacrifice. We can't just, we can't be completely out of the will of God, give an offering, and it just all disappears. God's saying, you keep the offering. What I want is you. Bring me you. As a matter of fact, bring me the real you. Let me go deeper. Bring me to you before your eyelashes. Bring me to you before you put your makeup on. I, I don't require all that. I love you. You don't need to get it all together before you come to me. I'm your father. I, I created you. I already know what you're dealing with. And here's what I need you to catch. You can't fix it without me anyway. Hmm. So, we see here that David is crying out to God. And we see here that as he is doing this, this is giving him the opportunity to be healed, to be restored, to be made whole. Now, the book of Hebrews actually deals with this and shows us that the Old Testament sacrificial system that I was telling you about was temporary. It was temporary. And it was just until we received the real sacrifice, the coming of Christ was the fulfillment of all that the sacrificial system anticipated. And so if you look at Hebrews chapter 9, verses 12 through 14, which I'm going to read into your hearing, and it's also for you on the screen in the Christian Standard Bible, it reads, He entered the most holy place once for all time, not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a young cow, sprinkling those who are defiled, sanctify for the purification of the flesh, verse 14, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse our consciousness from dead works so that we can serve the living God? Let's unpack that for a second. There's several things that I think we can take from both of the passages that we've just read into our hearing. The first thing I want us to underscore for those who are taking notes 
our failures are forgiven through our brokenness. Our failures. See, maybe some of y'all never have messed up. I wouldn't be in that category. And for me, it was funny, I was talking to my sister today, it's her birthday, and I was telling her <laughs> how proud I was of her and how she's overcome different obstacles. And I was talking to her about, I was like, yeah, remember how we used to you know, do this and that? And she, was, and she said something and it was so profound to me. She said, what would your congregation think about that? And I said, you know what? My congregation loves the authenticity in which I operate, in which I don't pretend that I have it all together. And so I boast in my failures so that you can see that God was able to take me and all of the failures and all of the brokenness and put me back together and use me for his glory. Everything that I do that is worth praise, he deserves the glory. And it doesn't really glorify him if you thought I was perfect and that was the only reason why he was able to do anything meaningful through me. Because my job is to convince you that we are more alike than we are different and just as God has a plan for my life that he is able to use me for his glory, he has a plan for you as well. And I hope that by our time together being finished, because I understand all the way down to, you need to understand, if you really think about me, if you've watched me, I normally come up here with a notepad. I couldn't even print the sermon. It was really important for me not to share this with you, for the enemy. So it became that much more important for me on my assignment from God to make sure that you get everything that God wants you to have. And so if I have to expose myself, if I have to share my inadequacies, and it, 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 it surprises people because most people, they're not familiar with that. They're not exposed to that. They're exposed to you know, more of the philosophical approach and, and I'm off limits because, by the way, again, I'm perfect. But I want to operate under the reality that we all sin and we all come short of the glory of God and that that is what glorifies him because when people see you and they know where you were and they know how broken you were and they know how raggedy things were, I'm not talking to the perfect people. And you are able to lead them to Christ because they're trying to figure out, seriously, girl, what did you do? There's a friend of mine right now who is saved, and I remember how God did it. Do you guys remember Bally's? This will let you know how long ago this was. Remember Bally's Fitness Center? Back in the days when we didn't know any better and we signed like these enormous contracts to go and work out. Remember that? Before fitness, before you could work out for $10 a month. What were we thinking? I was at Bally's and I had just finished working out and I had like this, you know, workout glow and I ran into a girlfriend that I used to hang out with, run the streets with and she bumped into me and she was like, Alicia. I was like, yeah. 
And she was like, girl, how did you get that glow? I was like, oh yeah, I just was working out. Woo, I'm, so, I'm so hot. She was like, uh-uh. I'm not talking about that. You have a glow. And I didn't really understand what she was talking about at first. And as I began to share with her, listen, we're doing this at the church and you know, you should come and hang out. And I'll never forget, we were going roller skating. And she was like, nah, I'm good. And I was like, oh, you should really come. We're having a great time. You know, the Lord is doing this and the Lord is doing that. She's like, I'm, I'm, I'm good, but thanks for the invite. And I'll never forget this. I was at the skating rink. Y'all, I can't skate. I wish I could skate. Like, that is so cool to me to see people who can roller skate. I was at the skating rink pretending I could skate. And I got a message. And it may have even been a page. I mean, it could have been a page. I can, I can visualize this. And I looked and I was like, oh, wonder what she wants. She was like, what's the address to this skating rink? She was following the glow. I was like, oh, okay, you coming? The next thing I know, we were at a youth meeting and she wanted to come to that. And I remember when she, she was just slain in the spirit, she was just laying out in the youth meeting and all I could think was, she saw a glow that she couldn't understand and she knew it didn't come from valleys and she wanted to get to the source. But it was more impressive to her because she used to be with me in the club. So to go from the club to following God and pursuing God and walking with him and loving him and just radiating with his presence, she was like, whatever that is, give me some of that. And so I, I'm saying all this to say, stop being ashamed of your brokenness. trying to hide where you've been and what you've come through. Somebody needs to know you made it out of domestic violence. Somebody needs to know that you made it from being a drug addict. No, Pastor Charles was telling me about the excellence team meeting and the different things that you guys remembered about his story. Somebody needs to know that you came from poverty and you grew up in the projects. Why are you ashamed? Because if they see that the, you're in a palace now and you came from the projects, if you tell the story right, it's gonna give God glory. Did you hear me say if you tell the story right? That means <laughs> this is not an opportunity to boast in yourself. This is an opportunity to boast in your father. And there's a world that wants to hear the tangible, relatable miracles that he is still working right now in our lives and we have to be bold enough to tell it. And so I'm kind of hoping that 
I would have two or three people who would just be crazy enough to do like me and boast in your brokenness for a moment, just so that you can let the devil know, I am not ashamed. You will not hold that over my head any longer. It is under the blood. The sacrifice has been made for me. God put the sacrificial system in place because he knew I would mess up. There would be no need for a covenant or a sacrificial system if I was going to have it all together. But God anticipated my fall and made a way for me to come back. Come on, can we give God praise for that? This did not catch him by surprise. Tell somebody this didn't catch him by surprise. So our failures are forgiven through brokenness. If we are humble enough to admit where we have gone wrong and bring our broken pieces to the Father, he will put it back to bed together again. When I was writing this, this image came to my mind and I couldn't find confirmation for this, so I'm I'm going to tell you this, and I'm going to tell you that this is not something that I found or researched or have any evidence for. But as I was, I was writing this, the stained glass started coming to my mind. And I started thinking to myself, and I started researching it, and I couldn't find any confirmation for it. But I started thinking to myself, wouldn't it be just like God that it was a mistake? that somebody somewhere dropped the glass and was like, oh my goodness, we're going to have to throw all this expensive glass away. And that somebody was like, no, 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 got an idea. What if we piece the glass back together again? And what if now this Umpteen thousand years later, we're still utilizing the same system and admiring the same glass that started off as an accident. Wouldn't that make sense to you? That there were fragmented, broken pieces that they knew were valuable and could not be thrown away and that they came up with a way to display it in all of its majesty and that when they did that, it was even more beautiful than the original plan. That's how God does our broken pieces. He doesn't just put them back together again. The scripture talks about how what the enemy meant for your evil, God will turn it around and use it for our good. That's the kind of God we serve. That even when we mess up, even when we make a mistake, he can redeem it through his grace and give us something back with our mistake. And we're like, is that mine? Our God is a redeemer. And so when we understand this and we understand that the ultimate sacrifice has already been made for us, we need to recognize that the broken heart is the only way 
to true repentance to claim that sacrifice. So now it makes sense to me why the enemy would want us to try to pretend we got it all together. Now it makes sense to me why we spend so much effort trying to cover up our brokenness instead of fixing it. See, the thing is, and don't get me wrong, we can spend all the money on all the things to cover up all the stuff, but at the end of the day, when we get ready to lay our head on that pillow at night, that brokenness is still there. That's why I love the woman with the issue of blood. She wasn't worried about what y'all thought. I need to get my breakthrough. See, that's the mentality that we have to have. I'm not worried about what they think if I'm worshiping, doing praise and worship. That's what it's called, worship. I'm not worried about what y'all think if I fall out at the altar and I'm crying for 10 minutes. My father is healing me. Do I want to pretend I got it all together and leave here? Or do I want to leave here whole because God has something for me? There is no reason. It is the enemy that brings that guilt that makes you try to hide from bringing your sins and your faults and your failures to your father because he wants to make something even more beautiful than you can imagine with your life. All the parts of it. Um, if you ever met my birth mom, she has like this cool testimony about how she almost died um, in a situation that was related to drugs. And like the cool thing about her testimony is like she was in a coma, she couldn't walk, she couldn't talk, and they started giving her the word. And she started reading the Bible and the first thing she learned how to say was the word of God. And she's like to this day like a walking Bible. I can ask her, where is uh, such and such and such and such? And she'll spit out where it's from. And God took all those broken pieces that the enemy wanted to try to make her think it was over. Now she's a licensed chemical dependency counselor. She, for a living, counsels those who are struggling with addiction and has a ministry. And it's like, for real, y'all, the things that you have been through, God has a plan for even that. He really does. And I, I, I think it's more important than you recognize because while you're ashamed of it and this is the thing that you don't want to talk about, this is the thing that's going to bring deliverance for people that you don't even know. When we get to this given, you'll understand this broken because this brokenness allows God to take us and to then give us away and distribute us and to use us for his glory. And so it's just part of our process. And I think if we really understood that it was just part of our process, it would be easier for us to go through. So as I close, the provision was already made for the brokenness. What God has blessed he will redeem. Even I am seeing that in ways that have been blowing my mind. 
Let me say that to you again. What God has blessed, he will redeem. He will blow your mind. The pieces, the things that you wanted to throw away, that you thought were unredeemable, God will go and get it and do something with it that will absolutely amaze you. I was talking to my armor bearer the other day and I had been talking about, I shared with her about how, you know, I had prayed and I had asked God for a very long time. I've been in ministry a long time. I never had an armor bearer and I didn't feel like I needed one. And then as all of the responsibilities started coming, I was like, wow, I think I, I really do need an armor bearer. And as I was saying to you guys before, I was just like, like the furniture upstairs, but who would it be? I don't, like, there's nobody that's, like, around me that could, like, do this. And she won't mind me saying because she was gone. And yet I didn't understand that what God blessed, he will redeem. And while I'm thinking she is gone, God is saying, you can't see her. I'm going to redeem her. I'm going to bring her back into my plan. I know the plans I have for you. Plans for good, not for evil, to bring you to an expected end. So I know some of you need to be encouraged today because you got a child that you think that you cannot bring back. And Charmaine is a living witness that as long as they have breath, as long as they're still breathing and as long as you're still praying, God can do a work in them that will blow. Won't he do it? Stop playing God small. Y'all asking for, can you pay my light bill? Y'all asking for, can I get a new car? Can I get a car? Your father, <laughs> do you know who your father is? If you would just allow yourself to be broken and go through your process, God got two cars for you. Amen. If he know you're going to use them for his glory, our, our older congregants will remember there was a time where we, our family is a family of six. So if you know anything about an Uber, six of you can't get in an Uber. And so there was a time where after church, Sister Gail would be like, do y'all need a ride home? Because we would take two Ubers to get to church. The boys in one Uber and me and my husband in another Uber. And we were just fine with that as long as we could get to the house of God. We didn't do no complaining. We didn't do no fundraising campaigns. Am I lying? Never once did we come up and say, can we take up an offering? We don't have, God is my supplier. I do if we just kept serving him in our lack, in our brokenness, the day was gonna come well, he would give us what we need to do what he needed us to do. This was his job. 
He gave us the assignment. How many of you started work somewhere and when you got to work, they were like, oh yeah, we expect you to do this, but you don't have any materials. They employ you, they give you what? What you need to do the job, or you might need to look for a new job. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, yeah, I've been there. They wanted us to do the stuff and we didn't have what we needed. Our Father supplies all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And so oftentimes, if we would stop looking at our needs, I'm helping somebody. Everybody don't have it all together. I know you do, but there's some people who are broken and this is the place that they should be able to come. If we could stop looking at our areas of lack as an obstacle and begin to look at it as an opportunity for God to do a miracle, we would begin to see miracles happen in our lives. Because if you go back to our beginning story, he took that broken bread and he multiplied it. And I want us to believe that he can take our broken pieces and he can do something with them that we never thought imaginable if we would just have the faith to come to him and believe that all things are truly possible to those who believe. Can I pray with you? God, I believe that all things are possible. God, I believe that in spite of my flaws, in spite of my failures, in spite of the things that I've done wrong in the past, that you still have a plan for me. Plans for good, not for evil, to bring me to an expected end. I will not wait until I have it all together. I realize that I can never get it all together apart from you. So I surrender myself to you. I give my broken pieces to you. I know that in your hands you can do the incredible, the unbelievable, the exceedingly abundantly above all I could ask or even think to ask because you are a awesome father. You have plans for me and you have provision for the plans that you have for me. Glory to your name. I love you so much. And I'm done playing it small. I'm done leaving, living beneath my privileges. I want the inheritance that you have for me. I want you to use me for your glory. I want you to take the things that embarrassed me and that I was ashamed of and I want you to get great glory out of those things and I want you to bring others to Christ and I want other people to know you in a way like never before because of my transparency and my willingness to be broken and given away. Use me for your glory, Father, and I will be careful to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.